1,000 better, 1, better stories. You're listening to 1,000 Better Stories, the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine the better and fairer future and transform what we think is possible. Welcome to our Everyday Changemakers series. We blethers with everyday people taking climate action in their communities. Hello, it's Kashka, your story weaver. Welcome to the second Everyday Changemaker story from the Inverness series, in which I take my cycling community action adventures from my local Dundee all the way to the capital of the Highlands, where we held Scans Northern Gathering last September. Last week, I introduced you to Ian Mackenzie from Inverness Foodstuff, who work with people caught in the crossfire of systemic failure at the intersection of food insecurity and food waste. We parted our ways at the door of Artisanal Cafe and I pedaled over to Eden Court Centre, on the opposite bank of the River Ness to explore more ephemeral but not less powerful ways of engaging with climate. After the busy city streets, the green space surrounding the Eden Court buildings was very much a welcome relief, disturbed only by piercing calls of resident seagulls and an occasional plane passing overhead. The building was festooned in the usual poster and multimedia displays advertising the upcoming theatre, cinema and dance offerings. But as I was looking for a place to park my bike, I spotted an unusual planting in front of the oldest parts of the complex. The garden bed was overflowing with orange nasturtium flowers, along with a few beans, courgettes and even an exotic splash of the purple artichoke bloom. The information sign declared it to be a part of the Inverness branch of the Incredible Edible Network. Incredible Edible is a UK-wide movement with a vision to create kind, confident and connected communities through the power of food. And they do this, in large measure, by growing food in underused public spaces to be shared by everyone. I thought that Eden Court hosting one of the local group's beds was a lovely expression of the wider environmental commitment and of the commitment to fostering of community connections. After having a good gander at the incredible edibles, I settled at the cafe inside and waited for Louise to emerge from her youth dance workshop. I'm Louise Marshall and I'm the producer for dance and accessible arts at Eden Court in Inverness, which is a theatre and arts venue in Inverness and for the Highlands. That's my main job, but I'm also chair of the Climate Emergency Working Group, which is trying to address all things climate emergency related at Eden Court. We can't change the world, but we're doing everything we can within our power or trying to work towards that. And I live just north of Inverness, about eight miles north of Inverness, near a place called Tor, which 
possibly nobody's will have heard of if they're not from the Highlands in a beautiful big garden with yeah forest behind it. So can you tell me what your favourite place where you live or in Venice or elsewhere is? Well, I have lots of favourite places. This could be a very long answer. I love where we live because we have these this native silver birch forest just behind the house. So it's glorious in the early mornings when the sun's coming up. Um, I do love the beaches up here. The beaches in Scotland are just stunning and hopefully it's cold enough to keep most people away. <laughs> they won't get too popular, but yeah, just the most amazing beaches like Samwood Bay and so forth. But I was going to say I also love London, which is a bit like contradictory, but I do love going to London and it feels very exciting anyway, but also to see what's happening and there seems to be things happening quicker, should I say, there in terms of changes of behaviour and things. So like seeing the vertical planting going on and transferring to paper bags and shops and things like that. When I was a kid in the 80s, you would never have walked down the canal in London, but it's been all regenerated and there's loads of people now walking along the canal it's, and it's really you know much cleaner and um, attractive place, outdoor space to be in London, whereas it used to be a complete no-go area. So I think things like that are really exciting to see, as well as the natural stuff when we're here in the highlands. How did you get involved in the sort of climate action aspects in your work? You know, what's your climate journey? Do you have some big aha moments? Not really a big aha moments. It's been more of a creep <laughs> than a sudden epiphany. Um, we had what we called a green team quite a while ago, pre-COVID, but it was a bit vague and a bit of a talking shop and not much actually getting done. Um, and then COVID happened, as it did to everybody. And then when we came back from COVID, we as an organization decided we wanted to just give this group some rigor, if you like, and some actual power to do something. So it was established as a, as a proper working group with actual legs to like make decisions and implement actions and to influence all the departments really in the building. And I think um, I've been here at Eden Court quite a long time, a very long time, and people know that I'm quite passionate about the environment, so I was asked to chair. Kind of simultaneous to, to that, when we came out of COVID, we got funding to employ someone as an artist for change with a focus on uh, the climate and the climate emergency. So we had an activist for change, if you like, called Ink Asher Hemp. So Ink was here for a year and had a massive influence, um, but I was their line manager. So I was very privileged to work with them really closely. And we did a whole season called the Climate of Hope season to coincide with COP in Glasgow. And that gave real meat to a lot of the behind the scenes stuff we were trying to do as well. It just really brought it into focus for our staff and for audiences. So rather than just, you know, trying to change things behind the scenes, it gave it a bit, well, a lot more profile. I think what's really positive having had them, they were based in our department, the engagement department, which is all about, you know, teaching and learning and so forth, is the work now is embedded in our department anyway. So even though that role, because it was only funded for a year, doesn't exist all of the team the engagement team are committed to embedding that in their work so whether that's the actual topic of what we do or whether it's 
how we do it and you know we're reusing repurposing sourcing secondhand materials you know all of that sort of thing so i think our team has definitely embodied it and then it filters out throughout the building so it's a shame not to have the actual post but actually the influence was huge and mm. yeah. um can you maybe tell me a little bit about your personal climate journey so you know you obviously didn't just suddenly no. <laughs> three years ago i suppose it started arrive. out yeah as a teen it started out with animal welfare I've, i've always been quite political so it was things like animal welfare you know so i was boycotting boots at that time because they were still testing on animals but i was political so i was boycotting things like barclays because of the situation in south africa at that time um so I was, i've always been quite political and then obviously as the climate emergency it's not always been called that has it has developed and become more prominent and i've become more aware it's just grown to you know i wouldn't say it takes over my life but you know it's very much like a part of daily life i'm a green party member and volunteer and so on and we try and do as much as we can at home it's very difficult with the infrastructure in the highlands the biggest bugbear is the car because it's almost it's so difficult if you live not within Inverness to not drive because the infrastructure the buses have just not been invested in um but yeah yeah so it's just incrementally grown and grown i guess over time now when i say climate engaged art what's the first thing that comes to your mind projects that in some way address climate related issues or environment related issues to one get the people involved in the project thinking but two for the audience to be communicating something to the audience that also gets the audience thinking and i think the important thing is that the use of the arts can get an emotional response and we know that can have more impact than presenting the facts because as ink would say we've had the facts for 200 years or something and look where we are <laughs> but using arts and culture we can actually drive change and actually Im- embed the change into daily life because it becomes a, becomes the norm um but we can be at the cutting edge of like challenging people on their thinking their behavior and so forth so can you recommend a particularly powerful creative piece that you think Uh, can have a, a particularly powerful impact in like community settings or you've seen people react Ooh. to in terms of motivating action tricky there was a really fabulous piece that we programmed for our COP26 climate of hope season called anthropocene it was a digital piece of theater really clever so you logged in and you could choose what some of the characters the actors did so they get to a decision point obviously with a climate element related to it an environmental element and you could decide what they did and see what the consequences of that action were and then you could maybe go back and change it again and that was really i mean it's really well performed created and just really clever because it just showed very directly that what decisions you made have a consequence kind of thing without laying it all out there like a straightforward play that really impacted me so i hope it impacted on other audiences the ones that have been most successful i guess for us here are where it's community involvement in terms of performers so we've brought groups together to perform and that's had a really big impact because they've been thinking about 
the content of what they're going to do um, and then how they're going to perform it and communicate how they've felt about it to the audience. And I think, yeah, taking it away from the professionals sometimes, it has more impact because people are actually doing it on the ground. So we had one called Heart of a Niche, which is Gaelic for Across the Ness. So we had about 40 performers, all ages, performing on either side of the River Ness to each other, highlighting the importance of the river to the city, to our lifestyle, to our environment. Um, and th yeah, the audience said that really struck home to them. Because sometimes when you watch professionals, it's like there's a distance between mm. the audience and what's being performed. And I think when it's local people, community groups, non-professionals, there's a rawness to it, and, a, uh, and that takes that distance away, and there's more connectivity there. What's your favourite thing to do on a Sunday morning? My favourite thing on a Sunday morning, it depends on the weather. If it's not great weather, then my favourite thing to do is get up, make a cup of tea and go back to bed and read a book. <laughs> um, currently reading It's Not That Radical by Michaela Loach. Really brilliant. Recommend it. And if it's sunny or fine, I should say, sunny's optimistic, um, it's get up and get in my garden and probably weed. <laughs> which is an endless task and it's not that it's just everything would grow everywhere if I didn't have some level of like no you can have that patch over there and this plant can have this patch over here but otherwise it would just go crazy so we did leave the lawn the grass I should say it's not the lawn that's again very optimistic we left the grass this year so we had a wild garden it was May June July and then we didn't mow it my husband scythed it in August. Wow, high level skill there. Well, he really enjoyed it. I, I had to go, I was rubbish. <laughs> it's really cool. it's a it's something you have to practice. It's yeah, but it gives you a nicer result. Especially with a sort of taller grass. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and saves on the petrol. So. It does. Very impressed with that. Because we're in Inverness, what do you see as unique challenges of doing the work you do in this context of Highlands and the capital of the Highlands? The unique challenge always with the work we do, all of it, is the geography, um, because it's such a dispersed community. You know, the Inverness population is quite small, but the Highlands is the size of Belgium. It's a third of the landmass of Scotland, and we try to serve the Highlands as a theatre, as an arts venue, whether that's people coming to see stuff or doing projects or getting messages out. And I think, yeah, whether it's the theatre or just, you know, having done the volunteering with the Green Party, it's just so hard to get together, to, and you want to get together because that's the buzz, that's when things happen, but then people are travelling such long distances and because the bus service is rubbish. Um, you know, then you're talking about using cars, and so it all seems a bit counterintuitive. So I think that's, for everything, that's the biggest challenge in the Highlands. It's travelling and making those connections over such vast distances. What about an advantage of being here? We're constantly reminded what a beautiful place it is, so we need to look after it. <laughs> Can't avoid it. I ask this of everybody is trying to use your imagination to travel into the future so time machine zzz, zzz, mm -hmm. 10 years ahead and imagine that we've done everything possible to create a better world fairer world less climate challenged world and you can share one of the memories from that future with us hmm. well i was going to say it would be quieter and yeah we can hear the traffic in the background 
So definitely quieter, but not quieter because we'll hear other things more. So we'll be able to hear birds more and things, but less traffic. Or even if it's the same traffic, I guess it might be electric, so it'll be quieter. But I also hope it will be quieter in the sense of calmer, like less frantic. Hopefully everything will seem a little bit more calm, peaceful. Um, yeah, and move away from this constant having to do, having to be, having to buy, hopefully. Thank you for sharing that vision of the future. Um, and. Is there anything else you would like to add that we haven't touched on that you think you'd like to share with people? The climate emergency seems really daunting and we will get really down about it sometimes. But find the thing that you love and use that to make a difference. So I'm very fortunate. I work in a theatre. I get to do what I love and I get to use that, create performances and projects that relate to the climate emergency and hopefully make a difference. You'll be glad to know that Eden Court's board renewed their climate commitment in the way they run their organization and their programming to mark COP28 last November. And to raise awareness of the event, Eden Court engagement groups presented Not In My Back Garden at their local botanics. The performances focused on the group's own experiences and what matters to them most during these uncertain times of climate change aiming to inspire others to action. With evening drawing in, it was time for me to find my hotel. I have to say, after looking at the map, I was apprehensive about cycling there. It looked like it was based on the eastern outskirts of Inverness, past a couple of spaghetti junctions and in the midst of a warehouse district. In my experience, both of these spaces are notoriously unfriendly for walking and wheeling. To be fair, Inverness City Centre made an effort to incorporate cyclists, a bit confused and confusing effort, consisting of a mix of on-road, on-pavement, one-way and two-way cycleways, so my apprehension grew as I headed away from it. But as I approached one of the motorway junctions, I stumbled upon a bit of a cycling heaven, profiled ramps which made it effortless to climb the junction embankment, dedicated bridges over the busy road, wide paths. I was blown away. The infrastructure was very new and sadly very restricted. It looked like it was set up to serve the new University of Highlands and Islands campus, itself a delight of green meadowy spaces. For a brief moment, I had a flashback to the effortless cycling experience I had in Basel in Switzerland a few summers ago. Is it too much to dream of this being a rule rather than an exception in our own urban spaces here in Scotland? Okay, that's enough of the active transport musings from me. Next week, I'll take you to the south of Inverness to chat with Mike and Gina from a tiny community woodland in a suburban dell. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and share it with others. It'll really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. 
You can drop our story weavers a line at stories at scan.scot. It's scan, S-C-C-A-N, dot scot, S-C-O-T. We also offer training and mini-grant support to community storytellers. To keep up to date with our offerings and everything SCAN, check out our website at scan.scot or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter. Music